Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for pressing play. Um, Today's episode, less about specifically talking about the Titans, but more so about, you know, concepts, um, maybe before it's time or just basically brainstorming the state of the NFL, brainstorming the state of football in general. Um, specifically professional, though. Um, so one of the things I wanted to start off today's episode with was, you know, offenses and, you know, and the complexity of the concepts, the schemes, the route running and everything. You know, right now we're in a a boom, you know, the past few years. Um, the NFL has really pushed forward more of an entertainment uh like they always have really, but lots of points are being scored and in a multitude of ways. And the reason why uh, points are up is, you know, obviously the rule changes within the NFL uh, becoming, you know, um, really diminishing the physicality that the game has been known for for so many years. Uh, Lots of penalties, uh, whether it's – Helmet to helmet, uh, protecting the quarterback, can't even hit him in the head with your hands anymore. Um, if you dive low or even land anywhere near his uh, lower extremities, it's a penalty. Um, now they have the pass interference. You can challenge it, so it could help the, the defense. It could help the offense. Just a lot of te- technicalities to the game and a lot of stoppages of play and flow. Uh, but... More so, what I'm getting to is the 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 points, lots of points being scored, and this is more so for the teams that maybe so at the bottom of the league in scoring, where you know maybe you're not putting up enough points, or maybe uh, you know maybe things aren't going so well. I've always thought, and this might not even be tied to you know offensive success for those teams but I'm always thinking about what is the next wave you know um I don't know if that was a good preface or not but what is the next offensive thing you know during you know the 80s Bill Walsh came and created this magnificent magnificent offense the west coast offense if I'm not mistaken um you know, and we've all seen the everybody pretty much still runs it to this day. You know, we've seen the run and shoot, you know, run and gun, whatever you want to call it. We see, you know, these flashes of, you know, the wildcat, you know, in certain stints, you know. And now we see this RPO run pass option uh, phenomenon. You know, we had the option a little bit and, you know, uh, for a little bit in the NFL. It didn't last very long. But we all see, you know, these basic concepts. Who is going to create the new concept? You know, RPO is something that um, is the newest craze. And really, it's just about giving your quarterback options and, you know, and really reading the defense. But what I'm going to get to with four minutes into this podcast is at what point? And here's my big here's my big thing. At what point? Does route concepts and combinations change? 
Because at this point, as a defensive player and as a former cornerback, and I played wide receiver, is when you get into certain situations and certain, let's say, formations, and just in general, when when you're running a slant, it's taught universally how to run a slant. When you run an out, it's taught universally the same way how to run an out. Same with the post, same with a dig, same with the wheel, you know, things like that, bubble. It's taught the same way. At what point do we create a, we don't necessarily have to create a new route, but at what point do we create something off of that? And you see it a lot of times on the second reactionary plays, the the plays that quarterbacks make out of structure. You see that creativity come to life. You see a um, out route turn into a, you know, uh, a, a post back to the sideline. You know, I know that there's several combinations that, you know, that we don't really talk about. Because I know there's very create there there are uh, there's a lot of creative routes in a team's playbook. It's just longer developing. But at what point do we make those short developing routes and be creative off of that? At what point does a a, a slant turn into a a quick slant and I don't know, you know, quick slant sideline back to slant? You know you. Maybe I maybe I'm just not privy to the you know that that aspect of football. I don't see it a lot. I see traditional plays being made or tra- traditional routes being run, and defenses are all over it at times because they know what's coming. You know, at what point does you know? You 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 know you're the inside receiver in a two by two set and you run in a deep out. At what point does that out turn into you know just a as you're heading back to the sideline when you're breaking towards your out? It just becomes maybe a zig back to the middle. It becomes a a in route, a deep in route. You know, and I and I know you're saying a lot of times receivers actually run their routes that way. If they're running in, they'll break out first then go in but I mean like really sell it you know what I mean and you see that a lot like I said on those scramble scramble drills that quarterbacks do I just think that that aspect of it and if you can kind of grasp what I'm trying to say we know that it happens you know out of structure we know that it happens out of deception you know, um, out of basic, basic instinct. But at what point does it happen on purpose? Like purposefully telling an athlete to do this during a very clutch situation or maybe a situation where it's not that much at stake and just kind of implying that, you know. And <laughs> that's really what I had to say about that. And, you know, this these sessions or these types of podcasts is really just you know, football talk, you know, just creating and generating, you know, thought provoking uh, situations um, and scenarios. And another thing I wanted to talk about today was, you know, the state of defensive football and how do they defend the very things that I was just talking about, like the RPO, like, you know, putting 
you know, defenses and quandaries and, and difficult situations, you know, in the, in the decision-making process, you know, in terms of what they've always been taught to do, you know, as, as you know, secondary guys, especially corner, from what I know, you know, by experiences, you know, we're told, you know, everybody needs to do their job, but as a cornerback, your best attribute is minding your business, you know, doing your job to the best of your ability, you man down your side, you know, um, quite literally man down your side, whether, you know, you take your, you take your job seriously with cover two, you know what to do in cover two, you know, unless you're, you know, you keep going deep unless your flat is threatened. When that flat, when your flat area is threatened, you come and make a tackle. Cover three, deep thirds, nothing gets behind you, man. You're stuck on your man. No inside release. Cover two, you want to, like I said, back to cover two, you want to make sure that receiver is pushed in to coverage. You want to jam him inside towards the safety help. You know, and cover four, obviously cover your fourth of the field and then other variations. I could go, you know, for a few other type of combos, invert and stuff like that, but um, you know, as, as a corner, you're, you just man down your side. And as a linebacker, those guys have been taught, you know, stop runs. So run, stop, stop oriented, you know. And now RPO, it's basically toying with them. So now I say, let's be innovative here. At, at what point do, do defenses start to, you know, have a counter for that? And I think what we're kind of seeing is that teams are, you know, giving up the six yard run on a draw. They're more willing to give up six yards on a run, 12 yards maybe on a run than to be beat deep for 40 or 50 yards on an RPO type of situation. So they're blitzing, they're blitzing to get to the quarterback, even, you know, and they're on their way to get to the quarterback they're trying to stop the run as opposed to blitzing and having run fits and having run games to stop the run. They're, they're running their stunts and games to get to the quarterback. And on the way, if there's like a running back screen or a running back draw, they're stopping it there. And I think that's sort of combating that, you know, they're putting the, the situation in their hands, but I don't know. To me, it's kind of like, it's almost like defending the option. You know, you guys have, you know, let's say the defensive end, you take the quarterback, the outside linebacker, you take the running back, you know, and, you know, and the safety has the pitch man, you know. I don't know. That's just a scenario. I know how it may be different or all jumbled. But what I mean is everybody has like a responsibility. So instead of, Let's say an RPO play is ran, right? Quarterback usually in shotgun. Let's say the running back is to his left, and they're gonna run a you know a counter play to the right side of the offensive line. Basically, RPO is run pass option. So the quarterback's gonna fake it or read read whatever's going on, and the responsibility of the linebacker that's reading it, you know, at what point do we just have? assigned guys that's ready to and most plays off of rpo is a quick slant so at what point do we have like a guy or maybe a rpo spy that 
you know, we don't re he's a guy or maybe have a RPO spies, a couple of the guys that don't react to anything, but being ready for the quick slant at some point, because that's the most from what I see, the most successful play out of RPO is that slant. Um, so you have RPO spies as what I call it already in that hole or that just drops back like your defensive end, your outside linebacker. Maybe he's, you know, with his hand down on, on, on one play, you know, let's say your left outside linebacker, he has his hand down on this play and your safety, your strong, let's say your strong safety or your free is the other guy that's going to kind of, he's at maybe cover two. He's on his his deep half, but as soon as the ball is snapped, the left outside linebacker pops back into that hole where the slant will be on the on the right side, offensive right, defensive left, and then that safety drops down quickly into that left side, offensive left, defensive right slide, right where the slant will be, and I call it RPO spies. Now, I'm not sure if defenses already do this. And obviously, not every play is an RPO slant. And some plays are RPO, uh, you know, it's a quick screen, it's a bubble, blah, 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 whatever. Just have certain things in there that that you can combat. Because the reason why RPOs are successful, they're playing on the defense's first notion, especially the front seven. Their front notion, their first notion and what they're, they've been taught since birth or being a football player is to stop run first. When you see that running back possibly getting the ball, it's sucking all those linebackers up and creating lanes for these wide receivers to run rampant and thus more scoring, thus, you know, you know, you know, getting embarrassed. You know, another thing is with that, and I think that's a pretty good idea. I mean, I think teams do it. I think teams are pretty creative in a, you know, um, but nobody has quite put it that way, you know, to me. Um, but another thing is the pass interference thing, you know, and I'm not one. I, I know better than to talk about referees. You know, I understand it's a tough job. You know, it's a, it's, it's a tough job in terms of making these split second calls. You don't always get, you, you know, the, the correct view on it. You know, um, you don't. I mean, it's basically human is so much human, uh, human aspect to it. Like you could literally, what if you sneeze or blink during the play? Like, I know, I, I know that's like, you know, I say that in jest, but like, it's a very human job to where a lot of it is based off of your past experiences. Like one guy's helmet to helmet hit or how aggressive or violent a hit might be it to one guy might not be that to another, you know? Um, and a lot of times it's based off of a uh, presentation and aesthetics of the hit or the play, you know? So it's so human. Um, it's so, it, it, I'm trying to find a word and I'm going to look it up after this podcast, but it, it, it's, it has something to do with human something. It's so human defined. Um, but one of the things that I think will, will help, and I'm pretty sure they'll you know, implement this and have this at coaches meetings um, you know, in the future, 
uh, and uh, referee meetings, whatever they have, the the, the owners meetings um, is possibly changing pass interference to a 15 yard penalty um, instead of a spot foul. I think once you have this ridiculous amount of scoring and the defense, the defense basically feels like they're being sacrificed for you know, monetary gain for the NFL because, you know, people want to see 51, 47 games, but, you know, the defensive players are the ones being looked like they suck when it's really, you know, whether it's rules or stuff like that, getting extra penalty yards off of hits that back in the day would have been okay. So basically moving the defensive pass interference to a 15-yard penalty you know, because that's basically what happens when it's offensive pass interference, right? It's a, you don't. It's not. A, it can't be a spot foul foul for the offensive pass interference. You basically just move them back. So if a defensive player commits pass interference, it has to be a spot foul. If it's seventy yards down the field, the the offense gets to have the ball where the defense committed the penalty but when an offensive player does it it's just 10 15 yards from where he did it so to be fair let's make it all 15 yards and then that takes away the whole thing of someone going down and you know you know winning an oscar with a with a crazy flop and then you know you know, getting a freebie field goal to win the game or something like that. It takes that element of it away. And then, you know, obviously this challenging of the, of the, uh, the pass interference in general, it, I'm be honest, it slows down the game. It's just, it's just something that I would really prefer it to be, you know, human fallacy or human, whatever, uh, it to be a human call. You know, I'd I'd rather it be that than a challenge, to be completely honest. What I would have to say is let's make let's have two main points on pass interference. I think defensive holding is it speaks for itself after five yards or really when you're just holding someone when just like any other holding call, when when you're when the jersey is being pulled. When you can see clear stoppage of momentum because someone tugged at somebody. Now, defensive pass interference, I think two things are important. Was the ball catchable? Or a few things, I shouldn't say two. Was the ball catchable? Was the act egregious, which is apparent? Which, And then you can say what, what is deemed as egregious. Now, think of the term, pass interference. Did he interfere with the offensive player or did the offensive player interfere with the defensive players right to the football? Did they do that on a catchable pass? If the pass is not catchable, what does it matter? And I think there's a lot of pass interferences when the ball wasn't catchable. Now you go into the argument of how do you know whether a ball is catchable? Isn't that relative? No, it's very apparent if a ball is seven feet higher than the player, um, if the ball hits the ground before it gets to a player, let's think about that. I think that we have to to be we have to start using like more 
tangible, concrete knowledge towards these type of things. And holding, I've always thought that it should be taught as players. You engage your player once they're crossing your face. You either follow him there or you just give him a push or you start trying to seal to move your body. You know, that's making offensive linemen be more athletic. And that's fine. They're athletes. You know, but to 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 see a statistic from last year and say that it was kind of low, let's amp it up this year. I just think that that's being too robotic about it. You're looking at numbers and saying, let's call more just to call more. You know, and I'm not going to critique or criticize the calls. I think I've already said that I think it's football is rhythmic. Sports are rhythmic. The more game stoppages, the the less it is enjoyable to watch. So I just think that those are some things that could certainly improve. But, hey, I'm just a guy with a podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to my ramblings. I'm, I hope that, you know, you know, in your brain we're having a football conversation back and forth. Let me know if you agree. I mean, based upon where I post this, you are certainly open to, you know, I'm open for discussion. You're certainly more than welcome to comment on those type of situations. I think that, I think that you know, football is an amazing sport, and sports in general is an amazing way just to create dialogue, and you know, we all get better from it. So, thanks for tuning in, Barnes University Radio. Um, more to come. Assembling Titans. We, uh, you know, I almost went the whole time without mentioning the Titans, but I have to end it here uh, with the Assembling Titans. We play the Atlanta Falcons Sunday in Atlanta. And, um, you know, I hope this doesn't really give a time stamp to this because I think that is a pretty good podcast. But you're going to know that it was this, the, the, this, a few days before a Sunday matchup against the Falcons. And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing some review over that tape. And um, Assembling Titans on YouTube, Assembling Titan on Twitter. Uh, follow me at bu underscore scouting on Twitter, and uh, just just keep up to date. You know, keep up with me. Got some good stuff coming, good content. Um, be blessed. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks for tuning in once again. See you.